The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. When your life has been turned upside down, have you ever asked the question, how could an all-powerful, all-loving God allow this volume of suffering? People often think of it as an intellectual question, but I'm sure when you folks went through what you did, it is the heart that is being broken at that point. Yes, the why comes, but the how-to from here onwards has become so important. Author and speaker Robbie Zacharias helps us find hope in the midst of suffering. Next. and love and joy. I'm James Robinson. Betty and I welcome you to Life Today. Robbie Zacharias is our guest. And by the way, you come, we tape normally on Tuesday nights throughout the year. Wonderful guests and we'd be happy for you to come. Uh, you can go to lifetoday.org and find out information about how you can be a part of one of our studio audiences. It's, it's like really being in the presence of the Lord together and uh, being inspired and encouraged. Robbie Zacharias has written many great books. Here is one that I think has particular meaning now. Why Suffering? Finding Meaning and Comfort When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And there's a lot of things happening today that seem to make no sense at all. And it puts a tremendous amount of pressure on all of us. And I think Robbie has a, a real gift. Would you welcome Robbie to life today? We're so glad you're here, Robbie. Thank you. I, uh, I want you to know that you, you can go to lifetoday.org, back up one day, and just watch it at your leisure and convenience, and listen to what he said about a center that God has impressed him to, to give birth to and to launch with the prayerful help and support of people just like you and like us. And, and he's got that here, I hope, with you. Robbie, just tell our viewers, just very briefly, uh, the name of the center. So if they go to Robbie uh, Zacharias uh, International Ministries, RZIM online, they can go and learn even more about it and be involved. Tell us the, sure. the name of it. And our website is www.rzim.org.org. That is www.rzim.org. If you log on it'll, and move to the section that is called the Center I Act, the Institute of Apologetics and Contemporary Thought, and it forms a nice acronym because we want to act mm -hmm. upon the issues of our time. So that's what we hope. The procurement of the building in early 2016 and then building of the program within some time shortly thereafter to hopefully be built full and running with resident faculty and various uh, programs that we can offer and also online programs. Universities are already talking to us about coming alongside and loaning their faculty. Imagine having a place where if you're sophisticated in philosophy, you want to come and listen to an Alvin Plantinga talk on something or a John Lennox. We would invite people like that. But then we have to do it at a popular level, James and Betty. You know, you were talking earlier on about levels of engagement. And most importantly, what you've done as a mother, you've prepared many pointed arrows that guys like us could not do. So you do a marvelous job in that. If we could bring people in from junior high and up prepare them at a popular level of understanding seriously the issues and a meaningful response. Basically, it's engaging people in conversation so that the light of Jesus Christ may be presented to them. I do not know of any other message out there 
outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ that has the answers to what we are searching for. The whole transformation of the heart that is needed, the graciousness in our attitude that is needed, how to deal with sensitive issues with effectiveness, and then to have the reliance on the transforming power of Jesus Christ. All this is in the gospel story, and we hope IACT will be a place where people can come for weekends, for a week, for a whole summer, and do a year study there. We will have individualized programs to help prepare people to be effective in what we need to do. What I see you doing is multiplying the beautiful gift God's given you. And Ravi, I believe the gift God has given you will be multiplied. I believe this divine enabling God's placed on you and this zeal uh, for God and His wisdom, not just our knowledge or our brilliance, but the wisdom of God, I believe it'll just spread and we so desperately need it. You've written this book on suffering and we're living in a day now when there's tremendous pressure being exerted on Christians. Whoever thought that we would watch Christians lined up and beheaded and the fact be known, if you actually watched some of them and saw their countenance as they lost their head, there was a peace that passed understanding in their very countenance. And I find us wondering, do we have that kind of commitment to Christ? But there's a tremendous amount of pressure. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of loss. A lot of things that once seemed stable or have been shaken. And people are beginning to hurt and they're confused. I gotta ask you a question before we even touch suffering. Is this pressure a time for Christians to just say, well, what will be will be. It's the end time. We knew it was going to get worse and we just might as well settle for it and hope Jesus gets us out of here. Is that a proper attitude for those who've been redeemed by the Lord to have, to just settle in for what comes and sit back and let it happen? You know, as you were talking, uh, James, I was thinking of uh, an experience I had just a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago maximum. I was in Damascus, Syria. And every time I arrived in Damascus to speak, and I've done this several times, the next day I always had to show up at the chief of intelligence office. They would send a summons for me to come there. And they would be dressed up in their military garb and the generals and all be sitting there. I'm on the other side of the table, plates full of baklava and all of that, which I dare not touch because I didn't know what the questions were going to be. But <laughs> they looked at me and would be very gracious. And the chief of intelligence said to me, you are very welcome in our country. He said, in fact, Mr. Zacharias, we need you here. He said, but don't get involved in the politics of the region. Or the region. Just don't meddle with that. I said, I, I said to him, I've never done that, sir, and you know it, and I appreciate your welcome. I said, may I ask you a question? What do you think of all that is happening in the Middle East and so on? What are your thoughts on it? He said, you don't want to know my answer? I said, yes, sir. He said, I give this part of the world no more than five years and the whole place is going to blow up. Hmm. I said that on a radio program after I came back and I had no clue what he was talking about. He said, Just, I said, five years? He said, yes. If nothing changes, the whole place is going to blow up. And you know, when ISIS and all took over, he was one of the first to have his office ransacked and he was assassinated in mm. his office and the news carried the story of mm. the chief of intelligence being killed. But it always stays in my mind what he would say to me, we need you here. Why did he say that? Many leaders in these Islamic countries, I can quote one more from Abu Dhabi, Sheikh Nahyan, who has hosted me for a lectureship at Sheikh Zayed University, one of the most sophisticated universities in our world. He keeps telling me, we need you here. Please come. 
They open the doors because they know the witness of the Christian and the example of the Christian is needed in that rather tumultuous terrain out there. And no, it is not a time for us to retreat. When Augustine was dying in Carthage, when he was dying and the barbarians were scaling the walls, think of the two books that he is best known for, his Confessions and the City of God. Mm-hmm. That the ultimate city was a city whose builder and maker was God. And while he was sick and dying, there were people kneeling by his bedside for prayer. And the three churches he, pr- he planted were not destroyed by the barbarians, one in Hippo, one in Carthage, and so on. That impact of Augustine has lingered now for centuries, for 16 centuries it has remained, and the impact of the gospel. It's not a time for us to retreat. In fact, it's a time for us to engage even more, but to do that undergirded by the love of Jesus Christ and the confidence and the conviction that he really places in your heart and mind. More of those who are apparently hostile towards us are willing to listen today than at any time I remember. I will be in Egypt in the first week of December. They're already telling us to expect overflow crowds in every auditorium that they will get. The average young person in some of these places fed up with what they've seen, the politicization of religion and all the havoc that is being wreaked. Think of the beauty of the message of grace and forgiveness. You will not find that anywhere else. This is the time to engage and to give courage to our young people. I see some of them backpacking in China and other places and making a difference. Who would have thought in the mid-1960s when Mao Zedong was burning the libraries in Nanjing and everywhere else and said the name of Christ will be forgotten here, Jesus, the Christian church is destroyed here, the fastest growing church in the world today is in China. That's right. So we must take hold of the time and not lose heart. Yes, my heart goes out to the Christians in Syria and all who paid with their lives, but so it is when our turn comes, we should be willing to live for the gospel, not just to die for it. And if God calls upon us to lay down our lives, we'll do it. Live for it. I don't think anyone would be willing to die for something they're not willing to live for. And I think, Ravi, one of the things I, I sense you doing when you're talking about suffering, make, making sense of the, the pain that comes. You know, Betty and I learned a, or in the process of learning a very deep lesson. I preached a lot on the freedom that Christ came to set captives free, but it had never hit me as hard as that first phrase that he came to bind up the brokenhearted until we lost our daughter uh, to, to cancer. And she died, a precious young mother. Uh, that that broken heart needed binding. It was a suffering, and in the the non-Christian will oftentimes throw at you uh, pain and suffering as the reason not to believe in in God. You sat here uh, some time ago, surrounded by students from the seminaries and all the different areas there, and you made a statement. Isn't it interesting to notice that the people who worship Mother Nature, when a catastrophic event occurs, they always blame Father God. And, and that really resonated. The, the suffering seems to be what the, uh, let's say, self-thought uh, uh, intellectual throws on God that couldn't be a God or these things wouldn't happen. And suffering seems to be part of it. Well, my, my heart goes out to both of you. And uh, I could imagine uh, that it's a wound that never completely goes away. You know, God 
touches the wound, cradles you, and uh, to have uh, people like you go through that and then be a witness says a lot more than that book could ever say, James and Betty. So thank you for being examples to uh, all of us in that time of great loss. Uh, you were very kind in talking about uh, my own personal life earlier on, but my, I'm just one of many speakers on this team, James. There's about 43 or 44 others. I'm just one of them. God laid this on my heart 30 years ago to form this ministry, but when I look at the younger apologists that are on this team, people like uh, Michael Ramsden, Nabil Qureshi, Vince Vitale, Tom Price, uh, Christian Hofreiter, Amy R. Ewing, you know, Margaret Manning in Seattle and so on. Uh, uh, we've got uh, Jill Caratini in our office in Atlanta who writes every day uh, and just uh, inspires people all over the globe with her writing and just thinking. I just see that as a reason for hope. And this is co-authored with one of our younger apologists, Vince Vitale. He's a tutor at Oxford University, graduate of Princeton in his master's, got his doctorate at Oxford, and his doctoral dissertation was on the issue of pain and suffering. Hmm. And when uh, Faith Words asked us if we would together collaborate on this book, I agreed to do it because I knew I was writing with a young man who had, done, had broken some new ground on thinking this issue through. But going back to your initial question, people often think of it as an intellectual question, but I'm sure when you folks went through what you did, it is the heart that is being broken mm -hmm. at that point. Yes, the why comes, but the how-to from here onwards has become so important. When we ask it intellectually, C.S. Lewis used to say, nothing is so self-defeating as a question that has not been fully thought through until it has been fully posed. What did he mean by that? When you fully pose a question, you have to give, disclose your assumptions. So if a person says there's too much evil in this world, they assume there's good. If you assume there's good, you assume a moral absolute by which to differentiate between good and evil, a moral law. If you assume a moral law, you must assume a moral law giver, but that's whom they're trying to disprove and not prove. <laughs> Because if there's no moral law giver, there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there's no good. If there's no good, there's no evil. The question self-destructs. Now, somebody might say to me, why do we need a moral law giver? We need a moral law giver, listen to me carefully, please, because any time a problem or a question on evil or suffering is raised, it is either raised by a person or about a person, all right? which means the question assumes intrinsic value for personhood and materialism does not have that luxury. Naturalism, materialism, if we are the random product of time plus matter plus chance, we have no intrinsic worth. It's only extrinsic worth conveyed by somebody else. But the question assumes intrinsic worth, which means we are the offspring or the, or the creation of a person who has intrinsic worth and that ultimate worth is in God himself. So you have to evaluate the question's assumptions. Then you move towards the heart and give answers. And that's what we actually try to deal with in there. And it is a marvelous book. You like the way he explains things? You just see, he, he seems to uh, be able to take nonsense and not make sense of nonsense, but show you so much sense you realize it is nonsense that you've been following or being misdirected or misguided by. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal book, Finding Meaning and Comfort When Life Doesn't Make Sense. And I'm going to tell you, uh, when you lose a child, it makes no sense. It's just simply not the way it has to be. And you don't get over it. 
you do live through it and you do live with it. You never live without it. And in order to live with it, you need someone who is able to shoulder the load who really cares about the load. It is so often true that when one's heart is broken, uh, they don't need a sermon like they need a shoulder. They need to be someone to be held and someone to hold them. I've said to all of our viewers many times, you will need a shoulder. May I encourage you to do something very significant. Become the shoulder for someone to lean on. Become the comforter to work in concert with the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the other one of the same kind, just like Jesus in you, in us, to be what others are looking for so they can see him clearly. And Ravi, you do this so well. I want you to go to the Ravi Zacharias website. There it is. And you normally don't have to put the WWW in anymore. You've got to get catch up with the times, yeah. Robbie. You can just <laughs> skip right on to rzim.org. But if you'll go there, so I learned these things. I'm going to help you with my grandchildren. They're a little older than yours. They're helping. And so you go there, and I want you to look at the center and what he's doing. I want you to ask God, not just, do I have someone that I need to get there? Do I need to get there? But does God want you to be the wind beneath the wings? of this vision? Is there a way that you can lift it, not just with your prayers, but with your support? I hope you will. Would you join Betty and me in just saying a big thanks to Ravi Zacharias and let him know how much we're praying for him. Ravi, before we came out here, uh, you saw shoes like this and you asked about them. And these are shoes for little feet. And interestingly, you know, we have been involved in Mozambique since the war for 20 some odd years. And Ravi was there uh, when it began, was settled and he was there with the president. But while they were there, they ate somewhere and, and the waiter said he walked so far and showed Ravi his shoes and said, I wish I could have some shoes. And Ravi said, well, I'll get some, mail them to you. He said, I'll never get them. They'll be taken to the black market. And on the way to the hotel, Ravi's son said, dad, I've got a brand new pair of shoes. They're that man's size. I'd find such joy giving them to him. And you know, even after he attended those great meetings, he told you on the way home, Dad, that meant more to me than all the great things that we watched giving those shoes. And you ask about them. Well, Robbie, we're trying to give 200,000 children shoes. That's what we want to do. And we're going to give them smiles with cleft palate surgery. We've got to raise the money now, way ahead of Christmas, so we get the shoes, get them to the missionaries, so in this special time, when we not only give them a gift, we tell them about the greatest gift. I want you to watch closely from the mission field and see what we're doing. Watch closely. In this season of giving, God's word has very special meaning when he tells us not to be only hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. can give until the least of these. I've hung out in this village all afternoon and I could not wait for this moment to be honest with you, but I've had a chance to play with the children. We've hung out and I've played at their playground with them. You would not imagine what playground they play on. 
Many of them have never had a pair of shoes until this moment, and I promise you now they will not be playing in dangerous places again without shoes to protect their feet. And this Christmas season, as we've been giving Christmas shoes uh, to so many children who don't have shoes, we've also had the privilege of bringing Christmas smiles, bringing that corrective surgery to children who just needed that just touch of love. It was several years ago, the first time James and Betty came to China and saw the needs of orphans all over this land. And God really moved in their heart to make a difference in these children's lives. We have done just that through you and others who have given so generously for these cleft lip, cleft palate surgeries for these children, bringing what we call Christmas smiles. Little May May here is one of the girls who received one of those surgeries through your giving. And we just wanna say thank you today for loving on her, believing in her. Your giving seemed like a one-time gift, but it's really a gift that gives a lifetime. Beautiful Christmas smiles. Thank you so much for doing God's Word together this season, blessing children all over the world. Betty, what do you think about those smiles? <laughs> well, there's, to me, there's nothing like seeing a child smile. It just makes me grin from ear to ear when I see, because I know there's, a, there's happiness and joy behind that smile, too. But, you know, James, the, putting the shoes on, on their feet. It just, it's more than just giving them a gift of shoes. It's protection for the feet. They walk everywhere they go and they walk all, all kinds of difficult terrain. So it's a real need for these children and they are so happy when they get their first pair of shoes for, for many of them. And then when we put the smiles on their faces, what a joy for all of us because we're making a difference. It does put a smile in my heart to uh, look at those little children and know that they are so embarrassed. Uh, we had a little kid in Angola that had obviously never seen his smile. I guess he had not seen a mirror. And uh, we actually showed him some footage where we were talking to him. And when he saw us play it back on the camera where he could look and see the, uh, the little monitor, he screamed and covered his face. And it was such a horrible situation. And it moved us so much to see the heartache that we actually got to take that little boy because people like you said, we're gonna get him the surgery and we had to take him from Angola and got permission, took him all the way to Johannesburg, South Africa and gave him the most beautiful smile. And Betty, you never forget things like that. And you referenced the shoes. We have been with so many children who cut their feet, bacteria gets in, hookworms will actually affect their little minds and, and can destroy their lives. We have watched children die because of the bacteria that got into their system through their feet. So when we're able to give them these little shoes, they look like some that we wear here that are quite expensive, but we're able to get them for $3.60 a pair, which means $36 gives up 10 pair of shoes. Uh, and we're asking you to give as many as you can. Uh, $144 will give, uh, I think, 40 children uh, shoes. And uh, we're asking you to make the largest gift you can. The surgeries are $500. And it may be that you'd say, you know what, I'm gonna give two of those, I'm gonna make a $1,000 gift. I don't know what level you can participate at, but I believe you'll want to. We're going to send you as a thank you, the little Christmas shoes, any gift you make. We've been sending these now, this will be the fifth year. And we actually have all of the shoes uh, over the years. If you make a gift of over $100, we'll send you the one for this year, plus the four in the previous years. And, and I can tell you, 
these are one of the most beautiful things we put on our Christmas tree. And there's not a person that looks at our tree who comes to visit us during Christmas. They'll say, where'd you get the shoes? And we're uh, able to talk to them about giving shoes and smiles for Christmas. It'll enable you to do the very same thing. But now remember, we need to hear from you today. So would you go online, lifetoday.org, take your bank card and use it like a check? Or would you call the number and use that bank card like a check and just make the gift God puts on your heart? We want to be a blessing to you. We'll say thank you. But oh, what a blessing you're going to be to the children and the families you touch with the love of God. Thank you so much for your gift. Thank you for sharing the love of Christ. Poverty is a killer. And because of it, children needlessly suffer not only from a lack of food and clean water, but also from a lack of things we take for granted, such as a healthy smile or a simple pair of shoes. For most of these children, they've never owned a new pair of shoes. And while that may seem minor in the light of all their needs, walking with bare feet puts them at risk of life-threatening infections that could lead to crippling consequences, disease, and even death. By responding today, you can help life immediately secure and begin shipping Christmas shoes to 200,000 children around the world just in time for the holidays. Your gift of $36 will help provide 10 pairs of shoes. A gift of $72 will help provide 20 pairs. And a gift of $144 will help provide 40 pairs of Christmas shoes for children in need. With your gift of any amount, be sure to request this beautifully crafted green antique shoe ornament, a treasure to place on your tree each holiday season. With your gift of $100 or more, you may also request a special boxed set of life's Christmas shoe ornaments from past years. Finally, please consider a gift of $1,000 or more to help provide over 275 pairs of shoes or two children with corrective cleft palate surgeries. And you may request our beautifully framed canvas prints of the Forest Chapel. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. Well, from the depth of our heart, in behalf of the children, you will bless with shoes. And those you bless with smiles, thank you. If you'd like to have Robbie's book, I think everything the man has ever written is a treasure. And uh, boy, I love him. And I love the help that he and Vince give to those who won't understand suffering and, and really gain what needs to be gained through it, through the process. And we will send it to you. Thank you for blessing so many children, giving them a smile, giving them some shoes. Let's tell Robbie Zacharias thanks for what he's doing. <laughs> Robbie, bless you, buddy. We love you. Go to the Robbie Zacharias website. There it is. Help him do what God's put on the top.
We are meant to be a sight to behold. Beth Moore encourages believers to be built together in God's temple tomorrow. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.